if you want to join me over there, we're going to go to two openings again. We're going to go to 1 John, or what we could say, Little John 1, right? 1 John chapter 4, and also we're going to go to Big John, the, go- the Gospel of John. So we're going to go to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start there in verse 9. Hold your place there. Glory to God. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Are you ready for the life-changing Word of God? Amen. Receive it with joy. Get thrilled about the Word. That's when it works for you. Amen. 1 John chapter 4. And then if you want to head on over to Big John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. Over the last several weeks, I've been teaching a series of messages called What It Means to Be Born Again. And we've just started at the beginning. We're just making it simple. And over the last, uh, oh, the last several months, we've been teaching on how to be led by the Spirit. And we've talked about uh, uh, how to hear the voice of God in our hearts. Amen. We've talked about the different intensities of God's voice and how He speaks to us. And that we are a three-part being. We are a spirit being. We have a soul. We live in a body. And we've been just talking about uh, uh, topics here at the church that would get us more conscious of our spirit nature. Amen. How many of you know that that's the most important part of your being? You are a spirit being. You are made in the image of God. You are made after his likeness. Amen. Amen. And last week we talked about being born into love. And we've been talking about what it means to be born again. And it's, to be born again, it's just not a Christian term. Being born again, it's not a label. It's a testimony. Amen. Amen. Being born again doesn't just mean what kind of church you go to. Being born again means that you have, you have received a change of your nature that the Almighty God has come on in, recreated you into a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. You aren't just patched up. You aren't just, you know, there's people out there, they're talking about they received an inner healing, that God mended them. God did not mend you. He did not heal you spiritually. He recreated you. Hallelujah. And, and don't let that, 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 that stuff that is uh, out there is prevalent. It sounds good. It sounds kumbaya. But how many of you know, God didn't just patch you up. That's right. That's right. He didn't just fix you up spiritually. He recreated you. He made you something that was never made before. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Verse 18, and all things are of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sounds like 1 John 4 and verse 4. You are of God, little children. You are of God. Sounds like 1 John chapter 5 and verse 4 says, Whatsoever or whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. Glory to God. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Hallelujah. So you have been recreated into an overcomer, a victorious champion. According to Romans 8 and 37, it says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through God that loved us. Hallelujah. So last week we saw that we are born again into a nature of love. We've been recreated from God's image. He is love, right? 1 John 4 and verse 8. We looked over there last week. It says God is love. And God's original intentions for mankind is that we are made in his image and made after his likeness. So we're made in God's love image. Made in God's love nature. 
So that was God's original intentions for mankind. But mankind lost that nature when mankind committed high treason and sold out against God and served the devil in the Garden of Eden. But thousands of years later, after man had been lost in darkness for thousands of years, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came back to this earth. He paid for all of our sin. He died. He descended into hell, paid for our debt. Three days later, he rose again. And all those that would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus would receive that love nature back in their heart again. We saw last week in Romans 5 and verse 5, it says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have been recreated in the image and the likeness of God. His love nature has come to dwell on the inside of you. You can be kind like He's kind. You can be patient like He is patient. You can be good like He is good. Hallelujah. We don't have to uh, live by our tempers anymore. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that the love of God came on in to restrain the temper of man? In all, what, what, what people do when Christians lose their temper, they're just letting their emotions spill over the restraints of God in their spirit. Hallelujah. Today we're going to get more specific about the love of God, and we're going to start looking at the different intensities or the different degrees of love. Because if we read the Bible casually, we will just put the word love all in the same category. But we need to understand a lot of Christians today, they are not loving God and they're not loving people with God's unconditional love. They're trying to love God with a earthly or worldly love. And they're wondering why they're not staying faithful, wondering why things are not working, because they've failed to understand the different levels and degrees of love. Today we're going to talk about the two most important degrees of love. One is agape love. Two is phileo love. All right? And I'm just going to, you know, just tell you that right off the the start, things are always a little bit academic, right? I'm a teacher. And so I'm going to do some teaching. But don't worry, this message is going to come right into your homes and your houses and your life. And it's going to get in there and you're going to see God's going to read your mail. He's going to deal with you. He might correct you. He might uh, 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 rebuke you in your heart. He's going to encourage you. He's going to teach you. But how many of you know when God uh, uh, strikes us in our heart and we know, ooh, I need to make a change there. How many of you know that isn't God smacking us over our heads saying, oh, you better get better. No, he's saying, come on up to a higher life. Come on up and walk a higher road. Because on the higher road are higher blessings. On the higher road is, is the victory that God has prepared for you. Amen. Amen. So let's go to these two openings here. Let's, go, let's start in 1 John chapter 4. And off the start, I might use my notes a little bit more than usual. How many of you know you always see my iPad up here and my notes are always prepared, but I very seldom use them. <laughs> let's go to 1 John and hold your place there in John 15. We will get over there in just a, a little bit. We're going to talk about phileo love versus agape love. If you hear those terms and they are brand new to you, don't let that uh, 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 concern you in any way. Uh, I'm going to explain what I'm talking about. I'm going to give you definitions. It's going to make sense to you. Uh, uh, Amen. Hallelujah. Being born again is a supernatural thing. It's supernatural. Glory to God. And this love, we saw last week that walking in the love of God is connected to our health, it's connected to our wealth, and it's connected to our protection. 
Amen. Amen. So let's get a hold of this. Now you're going to uh, understand uh, how to do this. First John chapter 4, let's start in verse 9. Let's get a definition of love here right out of the scripture. It says, in this was manifested the love of God toward us. Now the word love there, and I'm not a Greek scholar, and I'm not trying to play one on TV, right? I'm not trying to, to be something I'm not. I have the same study books that you can get. But you can look up that word love there, and the Greek word is the Greek word agape. I'm not real fond of always quoting, you know, Greek words and things like that. But there is a difference here, and it does uh, uh, need to be pointed out. It literally says, in this was manifested the agape love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we would live through him. Herein is agape, or love. Here's your definition. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love God. Now, hold your place there. Flip over to John chapter 15. So we saw a definition right out of the scripture of the love of God. The love of God was manifested, not because we loved him, but because he loved us. Meaning there was nothing about us that God desired us from a standpoint. There was nothing we had to offer him, but he loved us anyway. Ah, we're going to get a hold of this. John chapter 15, let's go over to verse 19. Hallelujah. Just going to do a little teaching here, and then we're going to get into it. We might get on a Holy Ghost soapbox or two. <laughs> Amen. I didn't come to church to have someone play patty cake with me. I didn't come because, I'll tell you what, it's not the things I'm doing right that are hurting my life. It's the things I'm doing wrong that are hurting my life. I don't need sympathy. I don't need someone patting me on my back. I'll tell you what, if there's something that I'm doing that's putting me or my family at risk or at risk of missing God's blessing, then I want to know. Because I want to get, get it right. I want to be right with God. I don't get offense when, when something, you know, uh, 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 mows my grass sideways, right? I'll tell you what, the Word of God will pet your cat backwards. You know what I mean? And it'll just, it'll just go the opposite way, uh, uh, go against the grain sometimes. But God's just trying to love on you. Right? Revelation verse, chapter 3, verse 16, it says, For as many as I rebuke, I love. Right? Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 12, Be not weary of his correction. Right? For whom the Lord love, he correcteth, even as a father and the son in whom he does delight. How many of you know that God delights in us? How many of you know when the pastor's giving you this warning ahead of time, we're going to get into some stuff? (laughs) Yeah, praise the Lord. Look at verse 19. It says, Jesus speaking, he's talking to us as believers. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, because you've been born again, you have lost the world's nature, you have gained God's nature, you've lost the old nature of hate and sin, you've embraced the nature of love and forgiveness and kindness of God, amen, you're no longer of the world, amen, but because you are not of the world, but Jesus has chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And in this verse, now we get a definition of the world's love. Look at the first half of that verse. If you were of the world, 
the world would love his own. Greek word there is not agape. It's not the love of God. It's the Greek word phileo. It's a different degree of love. It says this, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. This is the highest capability of love that the world has. They can only love their own. They can only love those that share a common interest. The love of the world means I love you as long as you are like me. As long as you do what I do, say what I say, I'll love you and I'll have, you know, good things for you. Oh, come on now. This is the height of the world's capability to love. Apart from God, apart from being born again, mankind does not have the capability of loving like God loves. Mankind's nature without God is hate. Mankind's nature without God is to spite, to hurt, to to steal, to kill, to destroy, right? Yeah, absolutely. But now with the love of God that comes in on the inside of us, all that changes. I'm going to give you some definitions now, all right? Let's start with phileo since we're in this this verse right here. Let's get an idea of what phileo loves. Aren't you glad that God... God didn't require us to be his own before he loved us. It says the world loves their own. We were not God's own. You understand that. The Bible says that once man sinned, we broke off from our connection from God. The Bible says that man in his carnal mind was an enemy of God. Imagine what God did. He said, they're not my own. They have nothing in common with me. They don't act like I act. They don't talk like I talk. They don't have the righteousness that I have. They don't have the omniscience. They don't have the omnipotence. They don't have the power. They don't have anything that I desire, but I'm going to love them anyway. I'm going to love them anyway. But the world says, the world says, I only love my own. Uh, How many of you ever experienced that since you've been following Jesus? All of a sudden, the people that once loved and cared about you, all of a sudden, they hear that you're born again. You don't want to do that stuff anymore. All of a sudden, they want nothing to do with you. Why? Because they can't love like God loves. The sinner has no ability to love with the love of God. All right, let's get into this. Phileo. You ready? Phileo. We gave God no good feeling. God didn't get the good vibration from humanity. You know what I mean? I know you're all thinking about Beach Boys songs right now. I don't think I can sing that falsetto part. Maybe someone else can help me here. (laughs) Right? But God didn't have the good vibration. We didn't give him any good feelings. All right, let's talk about phileo. Here we go. Phileo love. The love of the world. It is love that's based on feelings. All right. Now, I might repeat some of this, so I know a lot of you are taking notes, but we need to get a hold of this. Phileo love is based on feelings. It must be stimulated by a common interest. You could say it this way. Phileo love is a fraternal love. Do you know what I mean by fraternal? The same word fraternity, right? For all you former college students, God forbid that you ever part of one unless it was a Christian fraternity or something. 
when I was in college, I wasn't part of a fraternity, but I wasn't walking with God in those days, and I'd been to fraternity houses, and what was it? Fraternity, it meant they were all people that had taken the same vow, they had the same commitment, they were all together in a little group, right? That's what this love is. Phileo love is fraternal, or it's based on a fraternity or a common interest, right? All right. Phileo is fueled by sentimental feelings. Sentimental feelings. All right? Sentimental feelings. Remember that. Phileo is fueled. It needs. It, re- it, is, it lives off from sentimental feelings. Phileo is based on affection for a desired attribute. Meaning that Whoever is the recipient of your phileo love, meaning that they have something that you like, that there is excellency about them, something, either what they do or what they look like or how they act, there was something about them that you desired. And so therefore, you loved on them because they had a desired attribute, because they have characteristics that you liked or you thought was, was pleasant. All right? I'll just get a hold of this. We're going we're gonna to get into this. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's based on common interests, like I said. Phileo love, it must be fond of something first in order to act. It requires a fondness. All right. Now, that's not always a bad thing, is it? It's not bad to, to, to feel uh, fondness for somebody and do something good for them uh, based on your fondness, but we'll get into this. Phileo needs a sentimental feeling to make its decisions. You need a feeling to make a decision to act in love and kindness, right? Now, here's some things that we need to know about phileo love. Since it is based on sentimental feelings, it is therefore not a constant. Phileo love can start and stop based on how you feel. It is not a constant. It does not last forever. It is not an unfailing love. Here's what you, know, you need to know about phileo love. It is not a covenant-style love. It is not covenant love. <laughs> We're about to open the can. Oh, yeah, I feel the can opener getting warmed up. Praise the Lord. Phileo has the ability to fail. Since it's based on sentimental feelings, it's not a constant. Sinners have the ability to walk in phileo love. It requires no new nature of God. It requires nothing that God has to offer to walk in this love. Let me show you this. You don't need to turn there. Can we bring up Matthew 5 and 46? For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans, that word literally in the Greek is sinners, do not even the sinners do the same. Sinners love them which love them. Sinners know how to love those that will give it in return. So it takes no special unction. It requires no special ability to love like this. Sinners with their depraved nature can love like this. They can love their own. Mm, So we're seeing this. We're seeing this, all right? Friendships, are you ready for this? Friendships are the highest revelation of this love. Phileo love, it stops, meaning its highest purpose is friendship. 
Now you think, well, Pastor Tim, that's not a bad thing. You're right, it's not a bad thing. Friendships are a good thing. There are godly friendships. Jesus called his disciples friends. There's nothing wrong with friendship. However, friendship is not the highest form of relationship that there is. There's something bigger. It's called fellowship. See, there's a lot of people in the world, they're trying to get satisfied through friendship. Friendship is not what you're after. Fellowship. See, the love of God doesn't stop at friendship. The love of God goes on higher to something called fellowship. Let me use, let me use this as an example. There are so many of, in, uh, of you in here that I'm in fellowship with, but however, uh, we might not be the closest friends in the world, you know? We might not have sat down to dinner together. We might not go and get ice cream together, right? We, not, we, we might not share a whole lot of things about our personal lives together. We just, you know, we have a church relationship, which is the most important. Sure. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But however, we might not have a friendship, but guess what we do have? We have fellowship. That means that fellowship means that you seek like revelation in God. Meaning that there is an unbreakable bond because both of you are both seeking God at his highest, seeking him at his best. Hallelujah. I don't need more friends. I want more fellowship. There's some people that they're looking for the church to be a social outlet, that they come to church shopping for friends. They come here and they're shopping for relationships or shopping for a mate. Well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with finding a good godly mate at church. But that better not be your highest priority while you're here. The church is not a meat market. Amen. The church is where you find fellowship. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, there's people, there's people that I, I am friendly to, but they're not in fellowship with me. Because they want nothing to do with God, but yet I still am kind to them and love on them as friends. But however, I don't bring them into my fellowship because I don't want what they have. That's absolutely right. Fellowship means that what they have has an ability of getting onto your life. And there's some people that you've brought into your closest fellowship that they should not be in your fellowship. The Bible says in Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And there's people that they start bringing folks into their life and they start listening to their counsel. If they're not walking with God, you don't want their counsel. Some of you are going to Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil could be a godly man for all I know. I'm not here to criticize Dr. Phil. But people will sit down there. They'll try to get Oprah Winfrey to get an answer for him. Well, is Oprah Winfrey sold out to God? I don't know. It doesn't appear to be. That's right. I'm not, I'm not criticizing her personally. I just, I know some of her beliefs and her faith, just this faith that everybody's right. Just everyone who has some religion is okay. Whatever you believe is okay. No, that's not, that's not true. You can't just believe what you want. You have, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So yet people will go to people of the world like that and they will try to, to pull on their counsel. Even if their counsel has a form of worldly wisdom, it can still hurt you and destroy your life. Because you're drinking from the wrong well. That's it. Yes. You're feeding from the wrong bowl. You're eating from the wrong table. You've pulled yourselves up to a table that you don't belong to. Amen. You belong at the table of Almighty God. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. 
but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Oprah cannot feed your spirit. Dr. Phil cannot feed your spirit. Only the word of God is going to fill you spiritually. Stop going to the world to feed your spirit nature. The world can't do it. And you don't go to the church just saying, oh, I just need a friend, I need a friend, I need a friend. Well, praise God for people that will love you. But what you need is, listen, I want to find somebody that I can have fellowship with. Reverend Randy, i got to use you as, a, as an example. <laughs> Everyone knows, when I first met Reverend Randy, I did not like this guy. <laughs> to be honest, I wanted to fight him. <laughs> you would have been in trouble, brother. You would have been in trouble. <laughs> I mean... It just, you know, I, I was so critical. I was, you know, wh- where I came from, I made fun of everything. I criticized everybody and everything. And, and uh, uh, Reverend Randy and I, we, we hung out for a little bit when we first met and, and stuff like that. And he was bold about the things of God. Just bold. You know, he'd been to Bible school and, and he wasn't afraid to just uh, tell this, uh, this backslider what was up, right? And he and I got into some things. He said some things that I took offense to. I, I, I didn't uh, like him per se. Actually, I did everything in my power to stay away from you for at least a year. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I stayed away from Pastor Michael's church for a whole year just because I didn't want to see him. Reverend was like, thanks, Pastor Tim. You're making me feel great. No, it was his boldness. But guess what? Everything he said was true. It pierced me right to the heart. And for that year, I was thinking about how I was running from God. So God used his words. And when I started to get the light on the subject, you know, and I started realizing where I needed to be and stuff like that, I got thinking like, oh man, you know what? I need to get around that Randy guy. Yeah. Amen. I, I, you know what? I, I, my personality just didn't seem to connect with his and, and all that. But I said, you know what? I'm not really looking to be his friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll like him later. <laughs> we'll get that like business taken care of. But I knew in my heart, I was like, he knew more word than I did. He had been to Bible school. He loved God. He knew more about God. I didn't care about the friendship. I wanted the fellowship. I wanted to go where he was going. I wanted to, to have that revelation. I wanted to get closer to God. And I knew that that fellowship would draw me closer to God. It wasn't the friendship that mattered to me. Though it matters now, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? There's going to come time when you're going you're gonna to see someone that is just on a straight, I mean, they're, they're just walking a path for God. You know that nothing's going to pull them to the right or to the left. And you see someone like that, you need to get in fellowship with them. Who cares how, how good their friendship is? Here's the difference between friendship and fellowship. Friendship requires maintenance. Fellowship requires no maintenance. There's people that are out there, so-and-so didn't call me today. (laughs) And that person at church, you know, that came up to me the first three weeks I was there, they haven't been up to me, you know, in the next two weeks. They they said they would call, and and, and I didn't get a call, and, and now I'm offended. See, because they were looking for friendship. When that, that person should have said, you know what, I'm going to find them in church, I'm going to seek them, and I'm going to watch them because I see how much they love God, I see them praising God. You know what, there's someone to be imitated. Yeah. But when you're in fellowship, 
You might see each other for, for seven days straight, and then you might go seven days without seeing each other, but when you see each other again, it's like nothing was missing. There was, you know what I mean? There was nothing held back because you were in fellowship the whole time. The fellowship will make, will, will, will make a relationship out of a complete stranger. I've been on vacation before, and just the spirit of, and, and, you know, seeing people at a restaurant and getting talking to people, and the spirit of God will just let me know that person's a Christian. I'll start talking and be like, are you a born-again Christian? Do you know, serve Jesus? And Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, this is a church we go to. We actually serve in the ministry. And, uh, you know, we've had conversations like that on vacations, haven't we, love? And what that is, I mean, and the next thing you know, we spend the next hour just talking about the things of God. And here I've only known these people for an hour. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, it is closer than blood all, yeah. already. Yeah. Because we were in fellowship together. Yeah. Praise the Lord. It was like that with the Joneses. I mean, from the moment I met them, it was like, I felt like I've known them forever. Yeah. Well, what was it? It wasn't based on friendship. Yeah. It was based on fellowship. Right. What are you after? You know, there's people that'll come to our, our extracurricular ministries here and they'll say, well, I'm just here. I'm, I'm really in need of friends. Well, praise God, friendship will be included. Yes. It'll, it'll get in there. You'll get your friendships and so on. Seek fellowship. Yes. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. So does the godly character of one man to another. I'll tell you what, you need someone who's iron. That means strength sharpens strength. I'll tell you what, you are never going to sharpen a samurai sword on a lesser material. Some of you are dipping from below to have your fellowship. You are stooping to have fellowship. Fellowship is always upwards. It is always seeking to have relationship with someone who's more spiritual than you. That's good, That's good. Hallelujah. I have people I'm in fellowship with. I'm in fellowship with the Dufresnes. I'm in fellowship with uh, Brother Chris D'Amico. I'm in fellowship with Pastor Michael. But you know what? My, I don't try to maintain a friendship with them. You know? Oh, Brother Chris didn't Facebook me today. Pastor Michael didn't slap me on the back and say, way to go, tiger. <laughs> I'm not waiting for that. No, no. I don't need maintenance. <laughs> you don't need to maintain my relationship with That's you. Right. As long as you keep loving God and I keep yes. loving God, we're going to be connected by the Spirit of God. That's Hallelujah. Right. That's right. So you need to find someone who's walking in that, that same desire, that same hunger. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And walk in that, walk in that fellowship, yeah. fellowship. Oh, I told you we. Were, I felt the can opener coming. Now let's get back to the regularly scheduled programming. See, this is the tarnish on the golden rule. You know, the Bible never called it the golden rule. Humanity put that label on it. Do you know the golden rule isn't golden at all? It's brass. Ah, oh, Pastor Tim, you're trampling all over my sacred cows. I have the golden rule cross-stitch on a pillow. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the golden rule, but it's not the highest form of God's love. That's right. Let me show you this. Let's bring up the, the golden rule. Can we bring up Luke chapter 7 and verse 12? Here's the golden rule for you. Is that the right one? Or excuse me, Matthew. You'll see it in there. There it is, 7 and 12. I said Luke 7, 12. I meant Matthew 7, 12. Therefore, look at Jesus said. 
Now this is what we call the golden rule. Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. Now Jesus qualified his statement. He said, for this is the law and the prophets. Meaning that that was the highest capability of love under the Old Testament. Why are you trying to live in an Old Testament love? Old Testament love had a pinch of selfishness to it. Meaning, I will treat Pastor Brad really well because that's the way I want to be treated. Meaning, I'm going to do what I want. It has a me attached to it. It's not gold, it's brass. How many of you know that Jesus brought the gold? There is a higher form of love. Stop trying to love people. Don't love them because, well, that's what I want people to do to me. Well, you know what? If you try to love people just to get them to love you back, what if their love in return never comes back to you? This love has a limit. That love runs out because people don't ever always return the reciprocal love, do they? What are you going to do when it doesn't come back to you? What are you going to do when that sentimental feeling's gone? This is why people get offended. Because they looked for a sentimental feeling and it never came. They looked for a sentimental feeling. Like, wait a minute. I remember when things were sentimental. Right? You've lost that love and feet. Right? I know, bad, bad singing. You know what I mean? That's how the world thinks. What is that song? The Righteous Brothers? You've lost that love and feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. Help me. You've lost that love and feeling. Yeah, I got there. Now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Boom, she boom. And, and, that, and, that, and, and that's what people do. Uh-oh. Uh, seriously. They say, well, what happened? The loving feeling's gone. You're going to have to know and understand that you won't make it in this life looking for the loving feeling because sometimes it's not there, but it's only the love of God on the inside of you that's going to keep you loving them anyway. Hallelujah. Why? Because people, that loving feeling is based on what was called the golden rule. Why aren't you giving it back to me? I was, I was giving out my love and my kindness. Where is it in return? Let's look what Jesus said. You don't need to turn there. Look at John 13, 34. Jesus speaking. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, agape. That's right. How did Jesus say that we are to love one another? Just so it will come back to us? No, here's the golden rule. This is the golden rule. Love one another as I have loved you. People try to, they try to apply the golden rule to New, Christ, to New Testament Christians. I'll tell you what, if you're just loving people to get something back in return, you're in the Old Testament. The New Testament love says love as Christ loved you. Jesus died. He gave himself without any guarantee that anything would ever come back. He gave out of unconditional love. He surrendered his life because he loved, because he, he, he wanted to, to give something that he, we could never pay him back for. Glory to God. 
See, this is the problem with many Christians today. They're trying to love God with phileo when you can only love him with agape. People are sentimental about their Christianity. They're sentimental. Hey, just because you cry when you watch The Passion of the Christ, just because you got Psalm 23 stitched on a doily hanging on your wall, just because you got the, 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 the cross necklace and the Jesus fish, just because Family Life Network is playing in your car, just because you can cry at the Christmas play, but yet you don't go to a local church, you don't tithe, you don't serve, you don't help in the, in the, in the, in the process of the local church. I know a lot of Christians who are sentimental about God. Listen, just because you cry at a Christian movie, just because you go to the movie Courageous and you, 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 you cry, but then you get up, you walk out, you go to happy hour, you sip on a bunch of drinks that are pickling your body, you go out, you're skipping church for the barbecue, you, you go out, you won't praise, you won't worship God, you'll sit there and criticize the church, you'll do all these things, but yet you're sentimental about God. Just because grandma, you know, crocheted a verse on your blankie, doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you have a, a teddy bear on it that has a heart, and on the heart it says John 3.16, that don't make you spiritual. When it comes right down to it, phileo love is just sentimental. Those are the people that will come to church and they will stay until they hear something challenging. Because if you get challenged, the phileo love leaves. Did you feel the phileo love leave this service? Because <laughs> what's going to keep you serving God? Because I'll tell you what, sentimental feelings, that's why people quit. They quit when the feelings quit. They quit when the sentimental feeling was gone. They might as well just sing that Righteous Brothers song. It shouldn't be called the Righteous Brothers. But actually, do you know that the, the tenor there, he actually went on to become a preacher, get a lot of people saved. So he got his love and feeling back. <laughs> but what are you going to do? What you, how, are you, how is your marriage going to survive on phileo love? What are you going to do when you wake up next to your wife and she don't look like the beauty that she did the night before? Not that that's my wife. <laughs> well, what are you going to do when you wake up in the morning and there's mascara smeared, <laughs> lipstick is gone, hair looks like a hedgehog? <laughs> Not that that's my wife. I'm just saying, I've heard other people testify. <laughs> you know what I mean? What are you going to do when your spouse wakes up on the wrong side of the bed and there's nothing phileo about it? What are you going to do? What are you going to leave? That's why the divorce rate... It is so high in America. The divorce rate is even higher in the church because they're trying to live and be fueled off phileo love when they should have learned what agape is. That's exactly right. That's exactly God did not call you to love others as, as, as you want to be loved. They called the Old Testament people to live that way. Jesus said, for you new creation people, you're going to love like Christ loved. 
You're going to sacrifice yourself without any promise of anything in return. That's right. Yes, 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 yes. Because agape does not depend on a sentimental feeling. Agape is a choice of sheer will. Let's get into agape love, shall we? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Some of you are trying to love God with, with a sentimental feeling. There's Christians that say, man, I got saved. And for the first few weeks, I just felt like I was in this spiritual euphoria. And then all of a sudden, I stopped feeling that sentimental feeling. Well, think of it like a marriage. When I stood up there at the altar with my wife, I wasn't there saying, I'll love you as long as you better keep that sentimental feeling going. Because the moment it's gone, I'm gone. No, I made a vow to my wife that day that I will love you and cherish you as God loves and cherishes the church. I will love you even when you are acting like the unlovable. Again, not that that's ever been my wife. You know, she's exempt of everything I'm saying. Everything. I should have been funnier. I really, I expected a better laugh out of that one. But you know what I mean? We, you stood up there. Marriage will not last. It won't make it if you demand a sentimental feeling all the time. I committed. Agape is a commitment. Agape is a choice. Agape is not a feeling. I don't need a fuzzy feeling. That's right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Your marriage won't make it. Oh, come on. Your marriage won't last with phileo love. Phileo love is not always a bad thing. The Bible actually commands us to have fraternal love amongst Christians, right? Right? Hebrews 13, 1 says, let brotherly love continue. Paul exhorted the Christians over in uh, Romans 12. He said, love one another with brotherly love. Right? Galatians 6, 10, do good unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. We're supposed to do better things for each other. Amen. Hallelujah. Give better deals. Give better blessings. Give bigger blessings to people that you're brothers and sisters in Christ than you do what you give to the world. So fraternal love and phileo love uh, uh, isn't all bad. It's not bad at all. But it's limited. And you're going to have to understand, you can't love God with phileo love. You know? You can't. What are you going to do when, when, when Sister Bucketmouth starts talking about you? What are you going to do? Right? I mean, seriously, what are you going to do? I got that term from Dr. Dufresne. I can't, you know, take any credit. But Sister Bucketmouth, they start running, your, running their mouth about you in the church. What are you going to do? You're going to love them with agape love. Yeah. What are you going to do? When the sentimental feeling is gone, what are you going to do at your workplace and your boss heaps a pile of work on your desk, doesn't even think about your feelings, doesn't think about your time? You can't love your boss with phileo love all the time, can you? You can't. But you can love him with agape love. I'm not going to love with a feeling, I'm going to love with a choice. Here's what agape love is. This is what John, 1 John was talking about in chapter 4. All right. Oh, praise God. I don't care how many Christian t-shirts you have, you've got to serve God. Yeah, come on. Don't be a pop culture Christian. 
That's what so many Christians are. They're pop culture Christians. They love the music. They love the t-shirts. They love all this stuff. They're pop culture Christians. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to have fellowship with God. At the end of the day, you're going to have to talk to Him. You're going to need to hear His voice. You're going to need to obey Him. You're going to need to put your flesh under. You're going to have to walk in holiness. You're going to have to walk in righteousness. You're going to have to rule over sin. <laughs> Here's agape. Agape is a covenant love. Agape is an unconditional love. Agape is based on value and esteem. Get a hold of that. See, I, I vowed to value my wife. I vowed when I became a Christian to highly value God. Anything that God prizes, I prize it. God pri- and you know why I don't skip church? Not because I'm the pastor. Not because my paycheck depends on it. I don't skip church. I, I lived this way before I was ever pastor. I qualified myself before this was ever offered to me. Amen. Yeah. I wouldn't miss church. There was no barbecue, no midweek survivor show, no TV. People in my family, they knew they tried to schedule events. Say, well, you're going to have to miss church. I said, oh, no, I will miss your family event before I will miss my appointment with God. Oh, but, but you're trying to win your family. No, you never win anyone through compromise. You never win anybody by compromise. There's people out there who say, well, I'm trying to win my Christian friends, so I sat down and had a beer with them to make them feel comfortable. You just seared your conscience and his. What he needed to hear is say, no thanks, brother, I don't need that anymore. The Bible says in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, be not drunk with wine where is in excess. You say, brother, I don't seek that drink. That drink's a false, that's a false glory. I'm seeking the glory of the Holy Ghost. It, it, it will make you feel better than that beer ever could, and it won't pickle you when it leaves. That's right, amen. Because that's exactly what the world's garbage does. It comes in, it gives you a false sense of security, and then it robs from you as it leaves. It robs from you when you leave. I used to, oh man, I'd be at the parties, and I'd be at the bars, and I'd be three sheets to the wind, thinking I was having the high life. And then you wake up next morning feeling like you've been living on the bottom of an ashtray. Absolutely. And I would tell God, God, I'm going to be done with this. What am I doing, Lord? Take this away from me. Deliver this. You know, deliver me. And God finally spoke up to me and said, you are delivered. When are you going to start acting like it? I got a revelation of Colossians 1.13. God who has delivered us from the power of darkness. Deliverance is a 100% settled fact. There's nothing more that God's got to do to make you free. For whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Right? Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There comes a time where we're just going to have to say, I am redeemed. I am born again. That's not my nature. That's not my way. That's worldly. That's not godly. Oh. Hallelujah. Hope you enjoy your barbecue later. (laughs) Agape is based on value and esteem. 
See, I value my wife. See, we're in covenant. I mean, I, it's not about just phileo with my wife. It's about agape. I'm so glad that when I act like a clink, because we all act like clinks, you know what I mean? She's nodding her head a little faster than I prefer. You know when your wife's like saying, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad that she was born into the agape love of God. And she can hold her peace instead of throwing the f- fuel on the fire. Oh, man. The love of God, you know. So many times, you know, you could just tell your spouse is, is just maybe not having the best of days. Just they're dealing with something in their emotions or whatever. And I've done it. And you've done it. And what you say is, what's wrong with you today? You might as well have just taken a stick of dynamite, tied it to 500 aerosol cans, lit the wick, threw it in the fire, boom! You now have just added to your problem. Because the agape love would have just said, on the inside said, let it go. Let it go. Love. Go do something. Don't throw fuel on the fire. You don't need to say, what's wrong with you today? Did I do something? Oh, I've been guilty. Men, we are so guilty of that. We just, we're, we're just big babies, and we need, we need the wife's attention, and she's doing the stuff, she's fixing the home, she's helping with the kids, and all this. All of a sudden, we feel neglected. Oh, boo-hoo. All of a sudden, it's, all of a sudden we're like, did I do something wrong? Have I offended you in any way? And what you're really saying is, I'm not approving of how you're treating me. That's exactly what you're doing. You're basically saying, me? I, I, I stand before you today as a transparent preacher. This has been me several times. But it's not the love of God. And I'm endeavoring to be better. Amen. And there's been plenty of times when I, when I have passed the test. But I tell you what, if you don't pass the test, you're going to have to take it again. Sure. You're going to have to take it again. Let's finish this up, shall we? <laughs> Unconditional love based on value and esteem. It is an act of sheer will and choice. Agape is not stimulated by a desired attribute. Right? They didn't need to treat you right. They didn't need to look right. They didn't need to be in your same fraternity. Right? Agape was not provoked by the character of the recipient. Their character didn't make you do anything good for them. You did it by sheer choice. Agape does not require a common interest. Oh, boy, I tell you right there, that would solve all the division in the body of Christ. All the denominational differences. Our denomination doesn't believe that. Oh, you go to that church? Well, I'm not allowed to fellowship with you. I'm not allowed. No, sorry. Uh, could really get it, you know. Oh, you're a church that believes in that tongue-talking business? Oh, we're told that you're of the devil. We can't be near you. You know? Yeah, that's the love of God. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Yeah. Amen. Well, I, I, there's a lot of jokes I could go into, but I won't. Uh, now listen to this. Here, here, here's another definition for agape. Agape seeks to render service regardless of convenience. So let me ask you today, are you an agape love with God? Have you decided to render service to Him regardless of how it looks, regardless of how it feels, regardless of what happens in the world, regardless of how much money you have at the moment or don't have at the moment, regardless of, uh, of your work hours, regardless of, of how convenient or comfortable it is, regardless of what people are going to say, what people are going to think? Are you in agape love with God? See, that's why I don't quit. When all the spiritual forces of hell are sitting on my chest, I don't give up. Because the love of God is in me. And it don't always feel good. It don't always look good. But it keeps me moving forward. Because when I committed my life to Christ, I didn't commit based on a sentimental feeling. Hallelujah. I committed to God for a lifetime. I told him when I was 23, uh, 23 years old, 10 years ago, I literally drew a line in my carpet. I stepped over it and I said, God, I drew a line in the sand. I'm not going back. My old life is now behind me. I am moving forward. I don't care how good it feels. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. That's right. I'm committed. Yes. I'm committed. Dr. Lester Summerall, he said this. He said, when I didn't quit, I win. It's just that simple. I I don't quit because I'm a winner. God made me a winner. Agape doesn't need a common interest. It's, it renders service regardless of convenience. Romans 5, 8. Let's just take a look at this. God commends, or a newer translation says, God demonstrates. How many of you have, well, you didn't turn there. But the, in the New King James, uh, uh, the Amplified, does it say demonstrates in the Amplified there? Pastor Brad looked that up for me. Uh, God commends, that word commendeth means he demonstrates. You can read it this way. God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, had nothing in common with him, he still gave us Christ. When is the last time you gave something to somebody who disagreed with you? Yeah. Does it say demonstrates? Shows and clearly proves. Love is not agape love until it's demonstrated. Agape love is not a feeling. It's a demonstration of your act and your choice. Hallelujah. You need to demonstrate your love for your spouse. Well, I told her at the altar all those years ago. Well, I don't care what you told her. What did you show her? Well, I don't do the dishes. I'm, I'm a man and men don't do those things. No, you better. Real men do the dishes. Come on. Real men vacuum the floor. Real men will cook some food. Real men will change diapers. Real men will give the kids a bath. Why? Because they're acts of service that help out your wife. Glory to God. When's the last time you bought her something nice? Well, she hadn't been, she hadn't been very nice to me the last couple of weeks. That's the perfect time. Man, you better be getting something nice then, you know? Come on, ladies, you're, you should be amen to me, rooting me on. I'm out here on a limb, and you're the one that's supposed to get me back. <laughs> Demonstrate your love. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I, 
I didn't demonstrate it, but trust me, I felt it on the inside. Some of you are like that with your praise and worship. Oh, trust me. On the inside, I'm filled with worship. There's no demonstration in that. Love demonstrates. I love God. I know I don't tithe, but I love Him. No, you don't. I know that upsets some of you. Good. Oh, I love God, even though I love Him, but I knowingly in disobedience. I'll tell you what, when you love somebody and when you've offended them, it twists you up on the inside. When I've spoken harshly to my wife or I've done something that just wasn't very pleasant, even if it was something she didn't even notice, on the inside, that love of God just twists my lungs into a pretzel. You know what I'm talking about? Just on the inside, it's like you cannot get through your day until you make that right. you got to make that right before you can even take another step. And if you don't make it right, it's like that, that love of God is just kicking you in your heart. Right? Come on now. God demonstrates his love. God would demonstrate. If you love God, you'll praise him. Now, you, now if you haven't been taught how to praise... God has room for that. We need to be taught how to lift holy hands. We need to be exhorted and taught and, and, and things like that. But if you know to do it, but yet you're still like, well, that's not my personality. Trust me, it's on the inside. No, because Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. If your heart was filled with an abundance of praise, you couldn't keep it from coming out of your mouth if you tried. If you love God, praise him. Don't just say, well, I got it. Don't do that with your spouse. Well, trust me, I love her on the inside. You better demonstrate. Agape love, the only, the only way you can get it is through the new birth. This is the definition of being a Christian. John 13, 35. said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Remember we read verse 34 earlier? Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are born again. By this shall all men know that your heart is tethered to heaven. By this shall all men know that the badge of your born-again nature is this agape love. By this shall all men know that it's evident that there's something different and changed about you. By this shall all men know that you're constantly giving, you're constantly giving, constantly loving, constantly regardless of what comes back. By this shall all men know. Hallelujah. Did you get some help here today? Agape is never offended. Agape does not have the potential of being offended. Whenever whenever you say, well, I didn't, you know, you know, if someone, you know, I didn't get a card from somebody and someone else did. So-and-so got selected for worship team and I didn't. They got used here and I didn't. They're doing this and I'm not. They got that promotion I didn't. They're having a child and we're not. They're getting this and we're not. Agape is never offended. Agape can only rejoice when others get blessed. So many times, the reason why you don't get your heart's desire is because you didn't rejoice when someone else got theirs. When someone got exactly what you're believing for, that was your opportunity to qualify for your blessing. 
That's the reason so many Christians go without, because instead of saying, oh, I'm so glad, praise God, let me rejoice with you, let me rejoice with you, in their mind they're just thinking, how come them and not me? Yeah, because when someone else gets what you're believing for, that's a test on your heart. We're going to find out what you qualify for and what you don't qualify for. Oh, come on. I'll tell you what, the agape love will keep you faithful when good feelings are hard to find. Ever have that? Just like, I mean, you're just going through a spiritual test. It's not even a natural circumstances, but there's just spiritual forces just pounding on you, trying to get you discouraged, get you depressed. It's not even because anything naturally looks bad, you know? And I'll tell you, you're serving God, and good feelings are just hard to find. Good feelings are hard to find. What's going to keep you moving forward is that committed love for God. Love God with commitment. Love Him with service. Love your spouse with commitment. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We glorify you. We thank you for the difference. We understand that there's a higher degree of love that we can walk in. It's called agape love, the unconditional love. Father, it's not based on a common interest. It's not a fraternal love. It's not based on someone's excellent character it's a choice it's a choice of our will it's a choice of our service it's a choice of our actions it's a choice of our demonstrations we demonstrate love we don't have to feel it father there's people all over the world that are failing to stay faithful to you because they're waiting for a sentimental feeling father we don't serve you with sentimental feelings we don't serve people out of sentimental feelings Father, we serve you out of commitment and dedication. Father, thank you. Thank you, Father. We love you and praise you. We love you with our service. We love you with demonstrations of love. Father, this love is now our nature. It was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. We are love creations created from a love God in your image, in your likeness, to be kind like your kind, to sacrifice ourselves, to give of ourselves without needing something in return. Jesus, you said a new commandment you give unto us to love one another as you have loved us, as you have loved us. Not just like, just how we want us to be loved. Lord, we love like you loved. According to Ephesians 5 and 25, You said, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So, Lord, we see how you love. You gave yourself. You give yourself. You always, everything you did was to promote somebody else, to bring them higher. Lord, you're so good. And you demonstrated your love towards us. Father, we give you the praise and all the glory. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, real quick before we dismiss. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, let me tell you, he has loved you with an unconditional love. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter where you've been, where you've gone, no matter how bad you think you've been or how good you think you've been, it's not based on your morals, 
is based on your decision to commit your life to Christ. Today I'm not here to hand you a microphone. I'm not going to make you stand up and come down front and talk to the church. But if you're here today and you know that you're not right with God, if you, you know in your heart that you need to be saved, you need to receive this unconditional love of God, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just lift your hand in the air. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you'll confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's a decision with your heart. I'm not asking you to perform a ritual. I'm not asking you to light a candle or burn incense. I'm asking you to make a decision and give your life to Christ unconditionally. If that's you here today, I'm just going to ask you to simply raise your hand. As soon as I see your hand, I'll have you put it right back down. And then I'll lead this entire congregation in a prayer. And right there in your seat, you can talk to the Lord and give him your life. If that's you, could you lift your hand now, please? I see your hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Is there anyone else that you know you need Jesus in your life? It'll be the most memorable thing about Memorial Day weekend for you. I guarantee it. Receive that love of God. Is there anybody else that you, you know you need Jesus in your life? Praise the Lord. We did have a hand. That means there's someone in here that they just want to ask Jesus to come into their life. They want to give their life to Christ. Let's all pray this prayer together. All, everyone say this. If you lifted your hand, speak these words out of your mouth. Don't just think them. Pray these words with us. Everyone say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, forgive me of my sin, be my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad that you are in church here today? Amen. If you just made Jesus the Lord of your life, I encourage you, find one of these cards in the seat pocket in front of you. Fill it out. Take a few seconds and declare Jesus before men. Before you leave, hand this card to somebody. Hand it to a friend. Hand it to me, Pastor Brad, one of the ushers. And it just says, today I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Put your name on it. Mean business with God. Amen. Amen. Let's not be ashamed of the Jesus that we're asking to save us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you get some help here today? Glory to God. Let's stand to our feet as we get ready to close. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead. Can we bring up our confession at this time? And let's just go ahead and say it with all of our heart. How many of you know that your mind is renewed here today? Glory to God. Let's say it. One, two, ready, go. My mind is renewed. I will live for Christ. In the face of trial, I will say, greater is God that's in me. In the face of financial hardship, I will declare, I have a supply. Every trial only serves to make me stronger. I have victory in Christ. I am a champion through God. And nothing shall make me afraid. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Father, we leave here. We say we are doers of the word. And we're blessed in all of our deeds. Father, I pronounce blessing over this congregation. Blessing promotion, healing, all good things come to them in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people shouted, Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Praise the Lord.